opinions, and attitudes. Attitudes. There's actually uh, intriguing talk. You know, they talk about the news. And you have to respect them for that. You're listening to Ride On Radio. News, views, opinions, and attitudes. Jesse, we're going to deliver on all of those things for the good audience this evening. We are, especially the attitudes and the opinions. <laughs> well, I've got opinions, but you, girl, have the attitudes. No, you get way too excited about exposing this stuff. It's actually scaring me a bit. <laughs> Do you know how long I've had to be silent, Jeff? <laughs> Whoa. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to be bringing you tonight is tying in more stuff. And we're going to go back, uh, you know, when we talked about the concert, the portals, then we talked about the alchemy, then we talked about uh, the sword and the stone, and it all is fitting together. And we're going to try to make this all make sense uh, for you uh, and get it. But what's really important is what Jesse is bringing forward tonight is an actual operational manual, the playbook for the other side. And what we want to accomplish with this is for you to know how to pray to start breaking these things because they put centuries of planning, they put all kinds of effort into it, and you, because you are a born-again Christian, if you're watching this show, we assume you are. If you're not, we want to welcome you into the club real soon. Uh, but you can break it because you've been given the authority. So that's why we're exposing this. We have purpose in it. And uh, Jesse, I think people's minds are going to be blown tonight. I believe that they will. Be I've been sitting on this essay for a couple days now, and I'm still trying to get through it. <laughs> it's a lot to process, I know. <laughs> it is lots to process. So. <clears throat> Um, let's go back to the first one we did, Black Gold, Texas Tea, because we introduced the concept of gold. Uh, right. We introduced the concepts of frequencies and how they're used. Uh, we obviously introduced the fact that there was sacrifice uh, that night, which is always sport for the other side, of course. And, uh, and we talked about the portals. And then the next one, we got into the alchemy, Jesse, and that is where right. you shine. <laughs> Not really, but I do my best. <laughs> but yeah, we broke down, you know, the alchemy of how, you know, what's currently happening is all being done through different forms of magic. And, you know, what is their end time goal to, you know, when we say they, we're talking about the Luciferian Brotherhood system. Their goal is to, you know, attain godhood. And how do they plan to do that? So we broke down the chemical um, formulas that they are currently in the process of using um, in the current witchcraft. And then that's going to tie in to where we're leading. It is. And just another point on the alchemy. Um, obviously, we can't. We have to watch what we say on this platform. And by the way, we're moving everything over to Odyssey. Uh, so all of our previous videos are on Odyssey, and now all these new ones are uploading to there. And I've included the link in the description uh, now. So I highly suggest that you download the app, which is L-B-R-Y, 
uh, because then the, the app, when you have the app, it actually works just like YouTube. Um, the video is really good. It's super smooth, goes sideways on your phone, the whole bit, uh, and they cannot be deleted, which is very, very cool. Uh, but so we, what we did, we, we were tying it in and we were talking about things like the hokey pokey and how they're putting this geo into it and they're turning you into an, or not you, but other people into antennas and there's all kinds of things happening there. They're trying to mess with the DNA. Uh, but also they have plans for those of you who do not go down that road because, uh, they've been leaving trails in the sky. They've been putting it in food. <laughs> like it just, it, it they they're putting this stuff everywhere and trying to get it into you. And it's all uh, part of the plan. And really, uh, when we always say things, and you know, even with our course, uh, creating wealth, Jesse, everything starts mm-hmm. in the mind. And what That's we're right. going to expose to you tonight is how it starts in the mind. And this is an operation that has been going since what, 2013, Jesse? Yes, 2013. So this is actually an operation and, you know, we, we feel that we are in end times, but we don't know what God's plan is. And the Bible clearly tells us that, you know, not even the son knows until the father tells him to go. Mm-hmm. But we do know the enemy thinks it's the end days. That's why they're running right. these plays. So then bring us to the sword and the stone, Jesse. Yeah, that was a really dynamic episode. You know, we brought out some of the hidden imagery and symbols and and the true meaning behind them. You know, everybody kept asking, what does the tunnel with the inverted cross mean? And it really is a symbol of the King Arthur, the sword and the stone. And so with that, we brought out some of the dynamics of, that part of this playbook where um, you've got characters that they're introducing, you know, King Arthur is representative in the system of the Antichrist. You've got Merlin, who's a group of men who are master magicians that are in the Sanhedrin who have raised and groomed and been preparing the Antichrist. And what is the end goal that You know, he who can pull the sword from the stone is the one who is proclaimed king. And that's the one who will be preparing um, the people along with others for the marriage of the beast. He literally will be handing the prepared bride over to the beast. Now, on Sunday, just just past, we talked about the uh, the wedding to the to to the Lord you know, the Lord's banquet table and the enemy is, uh, he's a duplicator. He cannot create. So he tries to duplicate and what he's going to do is try to perform this on earth with all of its inhabitants as as many as he can get. And, and so what he's trying to do and what we're going to be bringing to out to you tonight is you know, really further to what we did in that first one uh, with the Voice of God project, because mm-hmm. this is working in the mind. It's a war on the mind and then the soul and essentially uh, how they plan to convince people uh, to accept immortality. 
Yeah, this is it is the voice of God project. It has some other names or I don't know what they'd even call it, but it advances, it builds off itself. So, you know, it's part of the I am project or the I am operation. And then that also includes operations, alpha, omega, um, some of those. So it's kind of this, we're trying to build so people are understanding the full extent of this project. And so Jesse, you, you started out when we were, when you were showing me this stuff, uh, it starts out with two basic concepts. One is death and the other one is tongues of fire. Can you please elaborate on both of those? Yeah. So what's interesting about that is that, um, you know, we have to remember that this is, um, it's a military manual that is being used by our government. And when we think about, um, you know, the things that Michael Aquino was into, he's a high level, high priest in the system. He had a special job. He was trained under the Nazi Michael Karkok. And the things that he was trained in were to, you know, prepare the people and to basically put into execution the operation that they had planned out for the masses. So, you know, within this book, he has embedded certain types of magic. Um, and those are two of them, you know, literally um, there is death magic or necromancy written into this book, which necromancy gets into the part of speaking with the dead. And then you also have- And that's the, the foundation tongue. of the Kundalini magic and things like that, right? Right. And then you also have the tongues of fire, which we've talked about, you know, the heavenly language that literally uh, the breath of God, because of the glory of God, it's literally- presents itself as tongues of fire. So um, when they're using uh, those tongues of fire, you know, it gets, I guess I just had to ask, you know, I'm reading through this manual and I'm thinking, why is death? And it even speaks of suicide. You know, that's part of the plan. Why are death and suicide in this military strategy manual that is currently in operation? And Jesse, could that, you know, they say, you know, in the United States alone, there's about 22 uh, veteran suicides a day uh, right. on average. It's probably increased since uh, this thing that we've been experiencing in the last couple of years. Uh, would that have anything to do with it by your estimation? I person, my personal opinion is I do believe it has to do with that. Um, you know, I believe that a lot of the stuff that these high level elites have been doing in the military um, has been affecting uh, those who serve in our military. And, you know, this is one of the, the outcomes or the consequences of the evil and the wickedness and the magic that's being done. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so hard to fathom some of this stuff, but, but then again, it makes sense. And particularly if you've watched uh, what's been happening over the last couple of years, it makes a lot more sense because 
of how they are attacking the mind of the masses and yeah. the, the different ways they're going about it. And just, I, I guess, just as a side note, Jesse, because uh, when you're talking about the tongues of fire, that the enemy is going to create this fake Holy Spirit. Okay. Correct. I want to be clear. Fake. It's an imitation, not the real thing, not, not the acts mm -hmm. to Holy Spirit that we experience today. Um, we believe in the angel, the, the gift of tongues. We believe in this heavenly language. We believe it is a gift from God. We believe you can use it to pray. We believe that when you, if you're in a congregation and you speak it out, it could be uh, brought in with an interpretation by someone else. Uh, you know, there, all these things are real and we're not coming against that in any way, shape or form. So I want to clarify uh, what we're talking about in this context is the imitation, okay? In specific regards to that, that imitation is being set up by these high-level um, elites and being brought forward by even some of those elites who are currently serving um, in very high-level positions in our military. Yeah. And this is high-level information, folks, that we're bringing tonight. Uh, if you've been with us for a while, you'll have a much better chance of <laughs> really uh, coming yeah, to terms with it. Uh, if you're new to the channel, welcome, by the way. Um, but this uh, this show, you, <laughs> it really builds on the last three shows that we've done on Tuesdays. And, uh, and all of them are pretty high-level information. So we don't intend to lose any of you in the information uh, but we want to give out the best information we can. And so, uh, by the way, if you wouldn't mind hitting the like button for us, that would really, really help. Just do it right now. Hit the like button. That would help. All right. So, Jesse, let's talk about three phases. And the first right. phase is thought architecture for the masses. It's to prepare the architecture of the mind. What That's can right. you say about that? Well, that was put into place, this book series that was written by Michael Aquino. It's a three-series book, and the first one is called Mind Wars. The second is Star Find, or I'm sorry, Mind Star, and then you have Find Far. And um, so as he focuses on these, the first part of the operation is to basically um, you know, develop this program that will affect the masses and it's how to, you know, control the masses through the architecture of the mind or the thought process. So, you know, that book takes a lot of time where, you know, he presents the different theories, you know, the old system of programming that they used was trauma-based. It was, um, you know, the main emotion that was tied to it was fear. So as they caused trauma and fear, the people that they were perpetrating this trauma and the fear on um, would disassociate, they would split in their minds, um, you know, compartmentalize and separate themselves from the trauma. And basically, you know, they would the system would write a program that would be a cover life or a cover altar for these people that they would operate under. But what they started 
seeing happening to a lot of the children as they grew up who had been through this type of programming was that the programming would break down, usually starting around age 30 to 40, somewhere in there. And, you know, at first they would try to reprogram, uh, but the more that they had to reprogram, it would make it so that the person basically mentally broke. You know, there came a point where the program could no longer be installed, that individual could no longer be controlled, and they couldn't trust that that individual would not tell all the secrets and the dirty, you know, things that they knew or the information of where things were happening. So they had to find another way to construct this program. And Aquino was central in that uh, process of figuring out, um, you know, how could he get people from, you know, where they were to where they wanted them to be mentally so that they were controlling them. And he played with the ideas that, um, you know, an individual that if you cater to their morals, their ethics, um, and their will, you can in fact get them to choose the direction that you desire them to go. And because it aligns with their ethics and their morals, um, you know, there's a, positive feeling about it. They don't disassociate. And, you know, in the end of the day, you get the outcome that you want. So, you know, we've talked on some of the shows how we saw some of that happening, even with what's happening currently that, um, you know, as you, they encouraged you to wear a face diaper, you know, it was that if you want to keep your neighbors safe, especially the elderly, you know, if you want to be a good citizen, you will wear this so that you don't carry anything to anybody else. You know, you'll, you'll do it for the good of humanity. And, yeah, and we're alone course, together as well, you know. Right. But, but the thing is, well, you know, there's someone else <laughs> with you, even if it's in the car, you know. Um, but the thought is that you don't want, you want to be a good person. And so, you know, that's catering to your ethics, your moral so you choose that, yes, I want to be a good person. If this is what I have to do to be a good person, I'm going to do it. So, you know, we started to see some of those things happening. Well, then, it, you know, so that's the base, the core of the mind architecture. And through that, you know, they've been preparing people for the second phase, uh, which then deals with the soul architecture. So when they, when you say the soul architecture, so we understand the mind, but how do they get to the soul? And the soul, I guess, just in layman's terms, uh, it's it's kind of, it's the heart of you, essentially, mm -hmm. right? right. Uh, this is your being that's inside. So um, I guess through the mind, well, actually, you know what? <laughs> I might answer my own question here, Jesse, because... <laughs> the mind justifies the desires of the heart. So if they can put the desire on the heart, the mind can justify anything. Right. The, the conscious awareness of existence and reality, that's, that's what they define as the soul of an individual um, is that, you know, you have that conscious awareness, which that's what they're trying to, 
awaken because that's what they believe is the core of immortality is somebody having that conscious awareness of, of their reality. So, you know, how did they do that? They start, you know, star find begins with a question, you know, what is conscious existence? What is introspection? What is reality? Our, you know, introspection, our inner thinkings of ourself in relation to reality and what we can do in it impacts and can constrain our behaviors, which in turn dictate the physical and spiritual reality. So like, you know, some of the things he brings out is that if you regard yourself as only a physical life, meaning, you know, that life and reality is measured by your senses, what, what you see, what you hear, what you feel, what you taste. If you only measure uh, reality by those ways, um, you know, that's the full extent of your existence. You conduct every decision, every choice that you make is based off of your experience with the physical world. So, so let's just stop there, Jesse, because that that's a big chunk of the population of the world. Right, I, it's I, almost. I wake up. We're I comb my hair. I go to work. <laughs> you know, I I come home. I have dinner. I put on the TV. I go to bed. I wake up. I brush my hair. Brush my teeth. Go to work. Come home, and, and it's just following that herd mentality and. Uh, it's right. nothing to do with God. What 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 should I do this evening? No, I'm just going to watch TV, right? Yeah, um, we were trained that way. I mean, you know, they spent a lot of time in the 1940s through the 60s. Well, even beyond, it could be, you know, well, right into the, the 80s, 90s, 2000s. <laughs> yeah, and and they defined, you know, through television, through magazines, through you know these outside media sources what your daily life should be like. It was very scheduled. You know, you had a mom that would get you up, get you ready for school. You ate breakfast, you went to school, you know, you participated in after school things. You came home, you had, you know, you'd sit down and do your homework. So everything became very focused on that physical reality. And really, you know, besides going to sit in church on Sundays, which that also became a very physical experience. They took out, you know, they changed the frequency in, in the, um, from 432 to 440. Yeah. Yeah. So they literally took the spiritual aspect out of the things that we were experiencing, whether it was at school, at home, at church, so we became very reliant on that scientific, tangible, physical definition of reality. And with all the programming, the the entertainment and, and all these things, the norms, the magazines, they all fed into this thing. And everyone on TV is saying it, so it had to be true, right? Um, right. But, but then this is where it gets interesting. Because then they want to fragment your mind so you're not in total control of your mind. And the first thing that comes into my mind and how they did that is they started mixing up the genders. So we got to remember back in the 50s or 60s, someone who's a homosexual was not accepted publicly. 
It just, and, and forever before that, it wasn't accepted. But then, no, 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 if you don't accept them, you're a bad person. So you have to accept that lifestyle, even if it's not something you choose, but you have to accept that lifestyle in the same way that you wear the face diaper because you want to be a good person. Right. That's right. That's absolutely right. And, you know, they really have, you know, one goal and that's to see, they want each individual to see oneself as an immortal being, but immortality is defined physically and spiritually. So, you know, in order for them to define the type of immortal being that you become, they have to define the physical reality that you accept. Then they also have to define a spiritual reality that you accept. And they have to be able to move you from there to there. Right. Point A to point B. And that's part of the ultimate apostasy. You know, these books are the program to prepare the masses for that marriage of the beast. And, you know, the work of those behind this program really was threefold. It, it was to prepare the masses' minds and bodies. Then the second phase is to prepare their souls. And then third phase is that they prepare the masses to actively and consciously make that decision to accept and worship the beast. Yeah, immortality, uh, right. essentially. And then don't forget, we talked about this uh, this gold aura, which is the imitation of, you know, mm -hmm. before the fall, uh, where people, when Adam and Eve, they weren't wearing, you know, linens in the garden. They had this sheen of God around them. Uh, and then that disappeared. And and so through the alchemy and that, like, like we're there's going to be such supernatural things happening that the deception well it, it bible even says if if it weren't for the days cut short even the elect would be fooled this is how mm -hmm. big it's going to be and it just <laughs> it's, it's it gets over... it's going to get more intense as we continue to go through this because everything just continues to build in this model and it will line up with everything we see happening. Um, you know, and, and people's natural reaction to it is fear because we're like, what in the world is happening? What's going on? And, and that's part of why we're breaking this down so that as we see these things taking place and happening, we have a background and understanding of what's going on and we know how to how to face it and how to deal with it. So, you know, the uh, the general population, the fear thing has worked on very well. Uh, people are breaking out of that now, even the, the mm -hmm. you know, and by the way, you notice the very first question that the second book asks about the consciousness, right? So right. we're seeing society come to a new level of consciousness, Jesse, you know. And, and, and we saw but, that development in even in the process of things, you know, like as they began the, the awakening, you know, the focus was on mental processes, you know, they really pushed it, do your research, you know, study for yourself, make your own conclusions, look at the data. So all of those are mental processes that engage the algorithms of your mind. And that's part of the mind architecture. 
Well, now, go sorry, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. Well, I I, so my it. point was where they've brought society to now, um, right. and I'm not talking our audience necessarily, but partially our audience, but society in general, uh, they've a lot of people have woken up and said, okay, you know, this isn't right, this isn't right. Now we're talking just the general people here, mm-hmm. but it's too big for them to do anything about it. So they feel helpless. And even in our community, uh, to some extent, we feel helpless. Like, you know, we can't go and report things to the three-letter agencies. We can't, you know, the the uh, the law enforcement is on the take. You know, right. where can we go? We, you can't go to your, your buddy who's in the National Guard and it's not going to go up the ladder and get action done. So, and we haven't seen these things come to pass that were promised you might say Mm -hmm. Uh, perhaps they will come but you know there is this feeling of helplessness so again it's another fragmenting of the programming in your mind to make you susceptible and eventually you're going to say god please just let this end and that looks really good yeah and it's all the same you know structure that they even used it when I was a kid, you know, even as I was going through the books and studying and everything, you know, answers would not necessarily be given. If I had questions and I asked questions, I would get a question back. And it wasn't until I had discerned whatever it was that, you know, conclusions that I came to. And when I presented those conclusions, I would be told if they were right or wrong. You know, so it's kind of the same thing that we're getting hit with. You know, there's all of these theories being presented as people are researching all these conclusions that are being drawn, but there are no specific direct answers being given. So, you know, people are in this spot right now and they've got there and you know the the programming has worked for a lot and it's it is again getting ready for the programming of the beast Jesse but where this gets really complicated and and they actually have a problem on their side uh and it's how right. do you get people into the mindset of immortal living yeah and that's that was one of the biggest problems that they faced you know, how do you do that? How do you get people to look past this physical um, reality that has been created and understand that there's so much more, that there's a spiritual reality as well? And how do you get them to start engaging with their spiritual self? Because at the end of the day, you know, even scripture tells us that we're physical and spiritual beings and that as the Lord comes, there's going to be this transformation that happens within us where, you know, that immortal self that we put on, it's not purely spiritual and yet it's not purely physical either. So, you know, this was the problem that they began to engage with and, Um, You know, the former uh, programs that they did with the trauma-based mind splits and divides, um, you know, it was just so based on those fear tactics and it was driven by fear. And that fear caused people to cling even more 
to their physical existence. So now they have to get them past that. You know, um, they've since, you know, for generations now, and I would say even going back to the 40s or even before that, the system hindered and suppressed the use of spiritual senses and experience, you know, our experience of them. You know, we were really told not to use our imagination. Um, some children, you know, at a very young age, it was common for them to use that imagination and that was encouraged. But then, you know, once a child hit a certain age, it was like, no, you don't do that. Or even, you know, your experience, if you said, God spoke to me, you know, the majority of um, people would come against you in that and say, you know, no, there must be a mental illness. You shouldn't be hearing voices in your head. Um, you shouldn't be hearing voices outside of yourself. You know, you're hallucinating, you're paranoid, and they start to put these labels that then, you know, detract people from wanting to explore those experiences more. Um, I mean, there are certain individuals who have, you know, not allowed those hindrances to keep them from that exploration of the spiritual self. Uh, but it's within, you know, controlled environments that the system sets up. So, you know, they have a department in the Masonic groups where they have esoterical, you know, Masons and different orders. So if you're in that environment, well, it's okay to explore the spiritual side as much as you want. That's a, that's a normal thing, you know, or if you're into Buddhism, it's okay to explore that within the confine of um, meditation or, or the techno-cracks. They'll put into a different yeah. program. Right. And so they would just, you know, put you into a controlled environment where, you know, they could control the outcomes of, of what your experience is. And this allows them to control you know, the end time reality, which is really what they want to be able to do. Um, you know, they don't want us to be prepared or ready for this end time reality. Um, they want to define it and narrate it as they, you know, according to their agenda. So let, let me just, uh, Jesse, oftentimes I find my job is just to say what you said, but in a different way. Yeah, you're good at that. <laughs> well, listen, we want people to really get this stuff. Um, and so when we can present it in more than one way, uh, we all learn in different ways. So we've talked about the mind control and the programming uh, agnosium on this show. And what Jesse's just described is the different programs so they put the different programs. So someone, if they have a spiritual inclination, they put them into this program. If uh, if they want to become a rocket man, like Elon or someone like that, they put them into a different program. Um, you know, if they if so, they've got different and they've and they control the reality around those programs so they can control the outcome. But what they've done and what you have to understand is. They've done these with individuals and, and hundreds and even thousands of individuals, uh, millions worldwide, quite honestly, 
have been programmed this way, but they've done it in smaller control subject testing. Now they're taking all their knowledge and what they've learned and rolling it out to the masses as a major program for humanity. Am I wrong in saying it that way, Jesse? No, that's absolutely right on. Right well, on, right on, right on. Right on, right on, right on. That's one of the first times you've actually given a right on, right on, right on. <laughs> I knew you were going to push that button, so. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> you need a little comical break in the middle of this stuff. You do. All right. You know, and we can we can stop and think about that. That um, you know, as we think about this playbook and what's really happening, and we put it in light of God's word, you know, why is the enemy attacking our mind? Because that's you know one of the main ways that physically and spiritually we communicate with God or we read his word or we fellowship with one another. So the mind is, you know, really pivotal in all of this. And the enemy knows that the majority of people don't realize that, that he, they're using our mind against us as a weapon. They're using our ignorance, um, the majority of people don't pause to really think through things or to question or to wrestle with a thought in light of God's word, where scripture tells us that we're to take every thought captive and to make it obedience to Christ. When we don't do that, we have opened a doorway and access point for the enemy to come in and use those thoughts against us. And, so, and we're so well programmed, Jesse, like even on Sunday and stuff, studying Revelation, like, you know, everyone says the tribulation is seven years. The Bible doesn't say the tribulation is seven years, but right, we've but repeated that. I've repeated it. Right. Everyone. We, has. we don't wrestle. We don't question. We don't, you know, go find out for ourselves or seek the Lord on that. You know, and you know, you you see that trusted commentator on the news, and he said something, and he showed evidence, so it has to be true. So I'll just go repeat that, and that's how their herd mentality, right? Right. Well, it's the thought architecture, you know. And as we begin to break that down, Aquino was a master at breaking down the thought architecture processes, you know. And how did he trace thoughts? He, you know, his theory was that in order to trace thoughts, you have to know their origin. And he defined that as really there's only three originating um, avenues for thought. And, you know, that's outside of you've got yourself, you've got God, or you have Lucifer, angels, and others. Um, so those are the three avenues in which a thought is going to come. So Jesse, and, that's a relief. There's actually only three voices in my head. <laughs> well, Jeff, you've got Lucifer, demons, angels, and others. So there could be up to five, okay. I guess. Oh, now I now I feel more accepted. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the mind basically, you know, is a processing center, and and they looked at that, you know, and and the direct interface with these thoughts, and. 
Um, you, mind... you just said something key, and I want you—I want you to reiterate that your mind is a processing center. That's right. So, just explain that one more time because I—that's a big point, and I don't want it to be missed. Yeah. So the mind is a processing center. It's the direct interface with thoughts. So it's the direct interface with God or with the other voices, which are the the evil forces, you might say, or Or just your own thought. That's right. So, So therefore they classified because of the direct interface that the mind is, it then becomes what Aquino called a field. So he defined, you know, the mind as a field of consciousness that um, you experience through the physical or spiritual senses. And he defined the body as that mechanism through the senses that, you know, how we experience them. And so all of that, you know, if, if we're not really doing anything with those thoughts that are coming at us, it then becomes a passive process. You know, our mind just takes it in and it files it, that thought in the subconscious, and it really doesn't register in our experiences. And when it doesn't come to the conscious forefront, we don't act on it. It's just a passive thought. The other way that so, our mind so processes- Can I give an example of that, Jesse? Yeah. An example of a passive thought. Uh, you're going to meet, you meet someone for the first time and you know, just because of the circumstances, you're never going to meet them again. And you're only spending a couple minutes with them and then you're gone. So when well, you, when no, they that's, interme- not a, that's not a passive thought. Yeah, well, no, 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 hold on. Let, let, me, let me finish it. Let me finish. And then, and then, and then correct me. Okay. <laughs> when, when they tell you their name, you don't file it. You don't action it because you feel you don't need to question it, to wrestle with it. Uh, hi, I'm I'm Bob. Hey, Bob. But then you go on and then, oh, what was that guy's name again? You know, two minutes later, what did that guy say? Because you didn't wrestle with it. You didn't do anything. Everyone has met someone and then forgot right. their name two seconds after they've said it. Right. So that definitely would be a passive way of processing. You just goes in one ear out the other. So you're right, right on that again. Right on, right on, right on. Nice today, Jeff. But so the other way is that, you know, if you take that thought active, make it active, you're wrestling with it, you're thinking about it, you're engaging with it in your consciousness. And through that, you know, there's a process that happens. You give it active consideration. And and that word consideration becomes really pivotal in understanding this thought architecture process. Um, It's a very biblical term and it comes out of, you know, the old Testament where it says that Abraham, you know, in regards to the promises of God, he considered himself and Sarah as good as dead, yet he believed. So with that considering, it means that he, sat and and thought about everything in regards to God's promise. You know, God said, you're going to have a son. Yet Abraham wrestled with that. And, you know, and 
it was like me and Sarah are of old age. You know, she's already gone through menopause. <laughs> she's past childbearing years. You know, I'm an old man. We're about ready to die, yet God's telling us we're going to have a child. You know, and everything in his life proved the opposite, you know, that it couldn't happen. And as he looked at all of those different elements uh, that, you know, made it seem like it was impossible, in spite of those, he knew who God was, that God was faithful to his word. And he believed that if God said it, God was going to do it. So that process of considering is very important. So this is how they use that thought architecture against us. They keep us from getting to that point where we are actively considering our thoughts, especially weighing them in light of who we know God to be and what he said, you know, what his word is and how that's affecting our reality. And so I want to draw a distinction here, Jesse, because what what Jesse just laid out is the biblical course for this, uh, for what we'd call in modern vernacular critical thinking. Mm -hmm. But we have to wrestle with it against who God is and what God's word is. If there's any way you're going to get through this, it's comparing everything to, yes, the 66 books in the Bible, not the other 77 that are coming, not any of that. The 66 books, God gave us everything that we need in that. He created the heavens and the earth. He can keep a book together. I'm just going to keep repeating that. Jesse. But so that, right. that's, it's wrestling with it compared to the word of God, because, you know, in today's society, we have a lot of critical thinkers. There's a lot of smart, really educated people, but you know, you could be the, one of the greatest engineers of the world in the world. But if you don't consider the things of the spirit, you're missing the main experience. We, right. The spiritual reality is much more of a reality than the physical reality. Mm -hmm. I, I, but, but Satan wants us to focus on the physical reality because he's controlling the environment. So right. for us, we need to compare it to scripture, but also I would suggest put in some of those critical thinking skills because when something is on the mainstream news, for instance, and, I'll, and I'll, actually I'll give it, we, we weren't necessarily going to go here, but there's a lot of reports out right now, Jesse, about this uh, Ben David character in, mm -hmm. uh, in Jerusalem. And some, some of the reports are saying they're already claiming he meets all the criterias to be the Messiah. They are claiming he meets all the criteria. <laughs> so now, critical thinking. Why is this story coming out now? Right. Right? Who is the story coming from? What does the story really mean to you? And how does it compare with God's word? That's right. Okay. So... When we look at it, and we won't go down the whole rabbit trail of all the evidences with that and stuff, but essentially, um, he's not the AC people. I, and I don't know who the AC is. 
I say that honestly, it's not that guy. <laughs> well, I don't know, Jeff. If he comes riding into Jerusalem on a horse while people are waving palm branches, maybe, maybe he's got a chance. <laughs> so I don't think it's a horse because Jesus rode in on a donkey. So I'm convinced that he's going to go on an, on a Vespa, <laughs> an electric Vespa. I think your theory has a pretty good chance of happening. On <laughs> it's part of the Green New Deal. <laughs> We're going to build back better. That's right. With less carbon emissions. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, but listen, uh, it, it just, the things have not fallen into place yet. Uh, listen, right. and, and, and here's why I can say it. And without getting any of the details, look, when the AC rises, he's going to put on a show people. He like, it, it's going to be the greatest show you've ever seen. Look, he does entertainment pretty good. You know, the concerts, the lighting, uh, now we, we know they've got this uh, project blue beam, you know, plus they probably actually have some real flying discs and stuff like that. It's going to be a show that is going to shock the whole world and get everyone to pay attention. So um, this, uh, this little guy here, uh, not, not so much. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's going to be a little more subtle because he wants to kind of weasel his way in. Oh yeah, no, no, it's not until the miracles start happening with the false prophet. Yeah, right, that's when the show right. goes in. Uh, but but I think he's also going to have a lot more charisma. So Ben David doesn't fit the profile that the whole world will accept. Right. In my okay. opinion, this person, the person who rises is going to be good looking, super charismatic, <laughs> you know. Uh, honestly, have fabulous man. hair, Jeff. He's going to use that purple shampoo that I like. <laughs> we are so. taking money from cabal people too we will <laughs> what are you talking about jeff i totally pitched it to the antichrist <laughs> <laughs> he's got all well, the money anyway no i'm just totally kidding <laughs> well, Jeff, i use the blue <laughs> well we might have to make him make a choice i guess but we'll see <laughs> Only Why one of them is the alchemy. right choice, Jeff. Buy all three and mix them together like alchemists. <laughs> <laughs> I bet if you mix all three, all. it turns out gold. That's right. It might turn out green. We don't know. But, hey, we'll, we'll guarantee it'll be some color. You know? <laughs> all right. So yeah. let, let's let's get back to this stuff. <laughs> so um, with this, you know, as they began to... Um, you know, they define that process of the mind, how it works. They, you know, really honed in that that consideration process was the pivotal point between the mind, the will, and the soul. And so, you know, how do you get the will after it's had a thought to get to that point where it's making a decision? You have to include the soul in that. So, you know, can, can we use a new word to define all these things all together, Jesse? <laughs> what new word would you like to use? Algorithm. Yes, they not not like only in computers, but they're trying to create an algorithm in us. That's right, the al algorithmic thought, and you know that's even extending 
into the dissemination of that, you know, that they're using um, the social medias, the AI, they've even created the metaverse to control the patterns, the algorithmic thought, and the conceptual or creative divine thoughts that we have. Now, now just think of this. If, if you've uh, ever been a gamer, for instance, or if you know, everyone knows someone who's a gamer or someone's kid who's a gamer, and they spend 10, 12 hours just in a game watching a TV, it's, they're, they're not separate. They're, even when they walk away, they shut the console off. They're kind of in a daze because it's almost like which one is the real reality? Well, right. what happens when they up it and people start doing business, for instance? Oh, you want, because of, uh, because of the, uh, bioweapon that's floating around in the air now, we're no longer going to go to the office. So we're going to go into the metaverse. And by right. the way, it's cool. And then what becomes your actual reality? And which right, one do you that, like better? Who's, who's in charge of that reality is the other question. You know, Meta is actually a name of one of the high level commanders. And what is a verse when you're in the occult, you know, uh, you would call your writings any spells or intentions that you do that you put into a book and chronicle, you would call those your verses. So, you know, literally social me media sites have become this metaverse, a chronicle of the thoughts and things, the thoughts, the patterns, the algorithms that uh, Meta, a spirit, is overseeing and controlling. And and by Meta in Hebrew, also, I, if I remember correctly, also means death. Means death. That's so, right. So now think about this, and, and I know we've brought this out, but sometimes we bring out 50 to 70 kind of truth bombs, and, you know, <laughs> like 40 of them are missed. But when we look at the things like, Twitter, when we look at things like Facebook, when we look at things like YouTube, and we know that they're collecting all this information on you, are they mapping out your personal algorithm, your algorithm? Right. Your, your mind thoughts and your soul thoughts. And this gets into, you know, because underlying behind it literally is death because you're not really giving that consideration to thought or wrestling with it, with your mind or your soul. You're just kind of going with the flow. So literally this becomes one of the darkest aspects of necromancy, you know, where they're getting you to not confront your soul. Um, you know, they're pretty much your soul, everything is dead. There's no life in you because you're not actively engaging in that conscious experience with your body and your soul. Or, you know, because this new reality that's being presented is so wonderful, you put zero effort in when you leave the metaverse, right? Mm -hmm. um, so now you're, you're kind of dead and, and mission accomplished. It's, 
separated you from God. That's right. And, you know, this plays into as they, you know, Aquino did his studies on this, you know, he looked at what defines that soul life, what defines soul death, what defines soul thought. And so he found that really there was four different ways to view that or four different outcomes. You know, the majority of people who would be considered materialist, those who, you know, profess an objective universe um, and, you know, really the only existence they're experiencing is a physical existence. They deny the soul altogether. You know, they're, they really don't look into what's beyond, you know, are there experiences we can have beyond the physical? Is there a life after death? They leave all those things out of the equation. So that's your atheist, your person who just worships mammon, sort of thing. But then, then I guess you'd have to have the religious one. Right. And they're going to, you know, they, they acknowledge the soul and they'll speak about it. Um, but they see, they see it as something that's distinct and beyond the control. And so they'll demonize the soul. Uh, they aim to, you know, through that demonization process, they aim to control that soul through forced compliance, through threats, and, you know, keep it in that subjective universe, which that's kind of the passive state, you know, where you're not really thinking, you're not living, you're not using that soul to its capacity as God intended it. So for them, you know, the soul has to be rejected, denied, punished, um, and if it rebels, it has to be destroyed. You can, know, can we say guilt? Body. Can we say guilt with religion and things like that? Yeah, um, guilt, are part of shame, that? or uh, even appropriations. You know, a lot of the Catholic Jesuit priests would get into that there had to be torture of the body, a killing of the body to control that soul if it wasn't. Well, the prophets of Baal, right? Slapping their backs, you know, slapping all that. Slicing their wrists, making themselves bleed. But for clarity, I want to when we when we say religion, we're not talking about a person of strong faith and belief in God who's born again. We're talking about a religion as a control mechanism. And and remember, religion is God is man's attempt to reach God. This is building the Tower of Babel, which is impossible. You're never going to reach. It's the stairway to heaven, you might say. It's never going to go all the way up. You're never going to get there. Faith is God came to me, and it takes all of the burden off of us. So we're not talking about people of faith. We're talking about religion Religion. as a construct. Yeah. But but then I guess you have the uh, the Buddhists Jesse who go into a, a whole different way because they're they're pretty spiritual, right? And and they redefine the soul altogether as a byproduct of that subjective universe. So they embrace that passive, unconscious thought. You know the idea is let's throw consciousness out the window and we're just going to passively sit here and experience. Um being and so you know the more they submit themselves to that subjective universe 
uh, the more the soul kind of presents itself. <laughs> so the more they ohm, you know, I guess the more shaking and moving they feel. <laughs> but, you know, but listen, there's spiritual power in what they do. Um, and we want to, yeah. you know, we're not uh, taken away from that. And and I guess that leads in, that's a perfect lead into the next one, the fourth one, Jesse, which you detail as being esoteric. Right. And, you know, Aquino defined these, these four avenues. So yeah, he uh, said the fourth was the esoteric, which is where basically, you know, what they do is they merge the soul with the universal soul. So it no longer becomes something, you know, individual or distinct. Um, they say that, you know, that that distinction has to be purified through disciplines and exercises that only serve to lead to this collective melding of all the souls, you know, in the universe. So that's what they're, the end and, goal of that. And, and this, this really brings us to the pinnacle of this introduction. <laughs> I, you you know what I I can't believe that this is an introduction, Jesse. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like you know, uh, man. You know what? I'm so glad that God came to me and got me saved. If I had to be, I, I'm way too lazy to be an occultist. The amount <laughs> of crap that these guys have to think about, you know what I mean? It's a lot of work, Jeff. I will I will admit that. I put in the time. I didn't put in the crime, but I put in the time. <laughs> oh, I like that. No crime, so, no time. That's right. All I right. didn't so make Jeff, time for the crime. But. So this is, this is really where it goes. And uh, it's considering the mind, considering the soul. Explain where this goes, please. Yeah, so where this goes is basically at its root, it's Solomonic magic. Um, that's the highest form of magic that you can be engaged in. And as people have read scriptures, you know, we've read stories about King Solomon. We know that God gave him wisdom and understanding to be able to engage with the universe, with the things, you know, in this world that God created. And he was able to have in-depth study or in-depth knowledge and wisdom of how those things worked. And so, you know, he chronicled, he wrote all sorts of books showing how these things worked. Um, but then and these are hidden books, the mystic knowledge that has been hidden away for all these years. Right. And for just a clarity, you said it's the highest form of magic. So you mean my my Houdini doesn't uh, match up? That's magic with a little C, not a K. <laughs> <laughs> Those would be considered parlor tricks, according to the Kino. He, he labeled magic with a C where it was parlor tricks, not a yeah. not the magician's magic. But um, yeah, so you know that's where this goes is that you've got you know, as Solomon began to really engage with the spiritual forces, uh, which were the demonic spirits that were cast from heaven, he was led into a, a worship and an entanglement 
even into sexual relations um, with these beings. And, you know, so through that knowledge, you know, there was deception that was passed where, you know, ultimately the deception comes from Satan's pride. Um, Satan Lucifer was cast down from heaven because in his heart, he said, I will be God. So what's the very lie that he tells these individuals who are into the Solomonic magic or even, you know, the elite, um, you know, it's that you can be God. And so what we have happen in, in this, again, this is a military government manual. Okay. I want to know how, how Aquino, um, you know, sold this, but I think that this is part of the key thing that he was able to sell to them is that as you gain this control of the mind, as you gain this control of the um, soul, you know, it equals the ultimate you or the individual you. And therefore, you know, they just define that soul as you. Well, when you're dealing with Solomonic magic, you know, they deal with the six-pointed Davidic star. And, you know, so we can put all of these points that Aquino has brought out in their places on that star. You know, in those six points, you originally, with the mind model, you have God, you have Satan, demons, angels, others, or I'm sorry, Satan and demons, and then you have angels. And then, so that's the first three. Then the second three you add to that model would be the mind, the soul, the body. And at the very center of that, you put you, which this is a switch. I mean, when we think about this, what is really, what are they saying with this? You know, what is the center of that pivotal point usually it's meant to be God. And what is the name of God? Yah, which would be represented in our language by a Y and an A and an H or a Y and an E, yeah, like in Yeshua, it'd be shortened to just yeah. And they literally have changed it to Y-O-U, you, instead of God's name. Now there's another name that has taken that place. And that's part of the I am project in getting individuals to embrace the deception that they are God. So and, it, there, it's, it's the, it's what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven, his pride, right? The sin right. that God really hates is pride. The middle letter in pride is I, it becomes the I am project and it's you can be like God, you can be immortal, and you put yourself in the center of this. And But then it takes on more. When you break down the symbology of this, you end up with that trifold triangle symbology where you have body, mind, and soul, and there's a dot in the middle, which is you. Now, when you look at the alchemy symbols, the triangle with the dot in the middle represents fire. So what have we been talking about that they're trying to create that immortal soul 
what's the image of that immortality that you take on and cover yourself with it's that fire or that covering of the glory upon you but this isn't the glory of god which originally we have this is a false flame or fire that we cover ourselves with and now you know these people proclaim that when you have reached that understanding you know that by definition you are the immortal flame you are god and so you know all of this mind star is deliberately a designed exercise to get people to that point where they embrace that they are the eternal flame, that they are God, and that they control certain things. But as we get into it more, because they're doing this with the masses. Well, hold up. Before you really, go further, before you go further, yeah. Jesse, I want that to sink in. So I just want to, I'm going to back it up just a hair. And think about what she said. So it's going to be this embodiment. So the people who we described in those categories who were materialistic. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can see that. I can see that it's there. There's physical evidence. Okay, so the non-spiritual person gets it. The spiritual person sees that flame. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The technical person Oh my goodness, look what that person can do once he gets this flame suit on. Right. Right? So now this is how they've taken these micro programs, they're combining it all and putting it up for mass consumption. Yep, the mass deception, and it caters to every single one of those mindsets, and everybody will believe the lie. And, you know, there's things that they're literally putting into place for this, you know, as they, um, you know, we talked about the weird purple lights going up, you know, what were those used for um, when I was a child on the bases? It was, you know, some of the projects, particularly the Voice of God one, when we went through that, you learn how to use Um, elements or other things to be able to transform the state of your body from a physical state to a spiritual state. They have different um, classifications. So, um, you know, those classifications go all the way to when you're fully in your spiritual state and you're, you know, there is no more physical manifestation of you and you're just in your energy state, they call that the extraterrestrial state. Um, It's a state of vibration. So um, with this, you know, how did they, they can't just allow people to transform and not know where they're at on the playing field. Um, They have to be able to see that spirit. What's one of the ways that you can see energy on the field is is to put up those black or those purple lights and then it will show the electricity or the energy or the spirit so this is how they would know where the spirits were on the playing field 
Um, so, so those purple lights that we reported on that are all through the United States and other countries around the world were not just a major manufacturing mistake by about 10 different companies all at the same time? No, literally they're making, <laughs> you know, the entire earth like a field. And, you know, their their goal is to make it so that everybody turns, it has this spiritual experience and, um, you know, but if you don't know what to do or, you know, have no control over that, you don't know what's happening to yourself. Um, you know, most people aren't trained in how to operate in that spirit form or how to ground themselves and get back into that spirit or the physical body, you know, so that's part of it. You know, they've been told that, you know, that your spirit either doesn't exist or, you know, pretty much you're only in spirit form once you're in heaven, you know, so people aren't going to know what to do if something like this happens. And, you know, really what are the five G, G towers for? That's to, you know, cause this vibration that, you know, with the frequency levels, they can cause that physical state to change. Yeah. And yeah, and basically they're going to have the mass of population begging for this stuff. That That's where this is going. People are going to be begging yeah. for it. They're going to love it. But how will you know the difference? Well, you have the spirit of God inside of you. And That's if you enough. don't, if you don't have the spirit of God inside of you, I just sense there's someone watching right now uh, that uh, wants to have a real supernatural experience and not have to go through the imitation one from the enemy. Jesse, would you lead this person or people in the sinner's prayer, please? Yeah, absolutely. Lord, we just come before you and we know that there are so many things outside of our control, but we believe that you alone are God. We believe that you died and that your blood was shed to forgive our sins. We know that we are sinners. We know that there are things that we have done to hurt you, to hurt others, to even hurt ourselves. We have sinned against you. And your word says that the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And you've promised that all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Jesus, we just call upon your name and we ask that you would deliver us, that you would forgive us of our sins and that you would protect us from the evil one. We ask this in your powerful name, Lord. And we declare that you alone are the Lord, our God, and that we worship only you, Jesus. In your powerful name we pray, amen. Amen. So you know, if you're that, the one who... You know, uh, well, I want to say, I want to address, you know, um, that this is, a, we're not bringing this stuff out to cause fear, mm. you know, that we have to remember who we are in the Lord. His word says that he's given us the helmet of salvation. And that, you know, by the blood of the lamb and by the power of God, we overcome 
all these plans of the evil one. You know, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry about the enemy taking us captive and um, doing stuff to us in the spirit world or trapping us in the spirit world. You know, we can walk in faith and know that, you know, as we feel these things happening or as we sense these things, that God's with us. He's right there. And as we begin to talk to him and say, Lord, I don't feel or I'm experiencing strange things. You know, the Lord's going to tell us what to do, how to handle it. In fact, you know, I believe that it's much more that why God is having me share this information ahead of time is because he literally is going to stop the enemy's plan before it even takes light. So, you know, we know that how are they going to do this? It's through the 5G towers. It's through frequency. It's through all of those avenues. We know how to overcome that. The Lord says that how do we enter his gates? How do we enter these portals into the heavenly realms? You know, how do we enter his presence? It's through thanksgiving. And as we begin to sing at songs of praise, as we worship God, it dis disrupts any frequency that these machines are mechanically trying to create or that the enemy's trying to do through witches chanting or warlocks chanting or even demonic spirits engaging in some sort of musical chant, that our voices outweigh all of that. And that as we praise, you know, what does scripture tell us that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people he goes before and in exodus 14 14 it says the lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace you know we're going to stand there and watch god fight all of it as we sing you know so mm -hmm. i mean it gives us avenue to as we know the plans of the enemy we're able to thwart and and God wants to use us to do that as well. You know, like God, God does the heavy lifting. There's no doubt about it, but we're called right. as his sons and daughters. So as you start to see these programs running, you're going to know how to pray against it and let God, you know, you know, use you and work through you to thwart this. And I believe that's really why he's, you know, bringing this out through this program and the different things. It's so we can be part of this. We were called to steward the earth, Jesse, you we know, right. and, you know, God will go before us and, and you're right. Uh, singing songs of praise and that are actually our ultimate weapon. There's, there's that's nothing right. more, there's nothing more powerful than that. But when we see these plans, look it up, then that's when we, uh, that's when we bounce into action and, you know, we're learning how to, uh, to see things and then to go against it. That's right. Absolutely. So I want people to, you know, leave tonight encouraged, not overwhelmed, not feeling like there's this heavy doom and gloom over no, us. There is something we can do and we're called to action, you know, in these last days, besides you know, praising and worshiping, what are we called to do? There are people who need to hear the good news. 
there, you know, we're called to engage with those in our world as they're experiencing these things. You know, we are called to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers and to cast out demons. And so that needs to be our focus as we, you know, embrace our rights and our authority in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to then outpour it upon the world and you know do the jobs that he's called us to do and empowered us to do because really you know it's like when elijah went up on that mountain against the prophets of baal what was the purpose of that he literally was serving as a sign to those prophets and to all the israelites who were wavering in their faith that there is a god that our God is alive. He's living. He's the only God. He's the only one who deserves worship, honor, glory, and praise. And, you know, they were, his job was to give a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power before these individuals so that they knew. So there was no more wavering, no more questioning as to who was God. They knew. And that's our job in these last days is to, you know, come at these things with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. And one, one other thing, just as a comfort, if you miss Sunday, I thought Sunday's broadcast was so good. Every Sunday uh, we've been doing a Bible study. We've happened to be going through the book of revelation and we just did revelation chapter 19, which is the famous battle of Armageddon. And uh, Jesse brought out such a great revelation uh, from God's word in that, that, you know, we talk about CERN and we talk about, you know, they're trying to rush the, to usurp the throne of God to go to heaven. No, Armageddon's fought here on earth. They don't make it past the surface folks. And, and by the way, uh, give a spoil alert because the book's been out for a while, <laughs> but right? uh, the Lord addresses, you know, all the armies of the earth gather in this one valley and the Lord addresses it in one verse from the Bible, it says he's coming on the horse. We're behind him. He speaks. They go. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> the breath proceeds and they are no more. He slays them with the breath from his mouth. You know, it doesn't get more powerful than that. Quick, short, sweet, and simple. Job done. <laughs> you know, all these movies and everything written about Armageddon, God gives it one verse. <laughs> it's kind of an easy battle for me. You know, it's <laughs> Hey, listen, by the way, if you did say that prayer with Jesse, uh, please do send an email to writeonjeff at gmail.com and let, let me know and uh, we can pray over you and uh, things like that. And you just, just want to see that, you know, there's some evidence of the, the ministry working. And, uh, and if you want to be bold, put something in the comments as well, if that was you. Um, yeah. God bless you. Welcome to eternal life, by the way. Eternity started for you who just said that prayer right now. Bang. <laughs> right? That's right. That's a eternal life starts as soon as you say that prayer. So hallelujah or hallelujah. That's right. That's the proper Hebrew way to say it. You got to work <laughs> on that guttural, get it a little deeper, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Some, somehow it's coming out German. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Uh, we won't comment about that, Jeff. But. No. So Jesse, is there any final thoughts you wanted to get out on this, uh, on this thing or should we just leave it? Oh, you know what? Should we get yeah, to the I'd choice? To I was going to say, I'd love to close in a verse actually. Um, and it was part of the verse that I was, uh, sharing earlier, but it's, uh, second Corinthians two verses five through eight. And what I love about that, that verse is that, um, Paul speaks to his, you know, humanity and, and he says, you know, I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. And how many of us feel like that, you know, as we're going through these things where, you know, we don't know exactly what we're navigating. We don't have all the answers. Our natural reaction is that fear, that trembling, that feeling weak. And Paul says, you know, I didn't come to you with persuasive words but I came to you with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So I'd like to just leave everybody with that thought that if there's anything that you consider or spend your time considering, you know, there's nothing more, I guess, just that's the place to start. Think about the power of God. He ends Armageddon in just a verse. <laughs> it's a pretty powerful <laughs> right. guy of heaven and earth with just, just a breath. ultimate <laughs> view of, of the power of God. He did it all in a verse. <laughs> so, well, amen. Jesse, th that was a really complex information, but I think, uh, well, it's my prayer that uh, we got it out there. Actually, can people just put in the comments real quick? Uh, did tonight's broadcast make sense to you? Yeah, that would be good to know if we broke it down enough. Yeah, yeah, because we we have a lot further to go. Yeah, and it is very it's it's very complex. Um, but it's actually quite. Uh, interesting to learn this stuff as well because we actually learn about how god made us right you yeah. know so it's very interesting uh not that i'm going to become an alchemist anytime soon <laughs> i have no plans of that endeavor again <laughs> yeah so. <laughs> well good we're seeing yes absolutely uh need I say, it seems again. like half and half well, yeah, and you got to remember when people are in the chat, sometimes they miss quite a bit, and often they do go back and watch the episode again and and get it. But uh, well, thank you for thank you for all the feedback in there. Uh, all right, well, I guess that's it. We're going to be back on Thursday, and then Sunday there might be. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. If you have not signed up on Podbean. Go to writeonradio.podbean.com and you can even hit the button that says sign up and then you can put in your name. You'll get notifications when episodes come out if you sign up there because we will be having some episodes with the military analyst that are not going to be available on this platform. They're only going to be on Podbean and quite often uh, they're going to be done live as well. So right. uh, you'll definitely want to go uh, get on Podbean. And you know what, Jesse? I wasn't going to do it, but I have to do it. Stop giving the cabal money. <laughs> <laughs>
buy better products from family-owned North American, America, and Canada-made products that are better for you, no caustic stuff. It's just trading dollars instead of spending it at Walmart and stuff like that or Amazon. It comes right to your door. Your fellow listeners, who we call our gatekeepers, have been doing such an amazing job. Um, it takes some, some time. Sometimes we get overwhelmed, but they are going one by one by one by one, and you get to have a, a personal appointment, a concierge with one of your fellow listeners, and uh, and everyone's just having a ball meeting together and and everything else. And and by the way, that's the secret to getting the purple shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> it is. We just make it a joke, people. Um, yeah. You know, we we were talking about our favorite products on there, and but it's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's but become a joke you, now, you don't. But... You it isn't a joke to you. You actually say that's the best shampoo you have ever used. It is the best shampoo I've ever used. <laughs> that was truth. Yeah. But I'm not like so infatuated with it that you know. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, I'll admit it's the only shampoo I use now, but you know, but and everybody in the course of your life. Right. It's not <laughs> it's not the central world. point of my life at all, so I could go without it if I had to, but I I really enjoy it, so. <laughs> well, you know what the four central points of your life should be according to this broadcast is number 1, you should love your god, you should love your family, you should love your neighbor. And you should make a difference in your community by hitting the like button. 